the road to recovery. You might be cruising down it. A friend or family member lost on it. Or the road is, well, still under construction. Relevant Recovery Radio is about getting to that destination of normal health, mind, or strength. Now, Relevant Recovery Radio, here to give you the keys, Heather and Donnie Mosier. Oh, hello. 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 Welcome to Relevant Recovery, your radio podcast show. About all things relevant to recovery. And addiction Uh to all substances. Um, Welcome. Welcome, Heather. Hi. So, um... I'm kind of a little sad today. I know, third from the end. Third from the end, just on KPRC. We hope to continue it via podcast on all streaming platforms, but I really enjoy coming here to the iHeart Studios, and our yeah. producer, Will, has been I'm going to miss Will. He's, Me too. he's awesome. So this is the third from the last show for yeah. KPRC. Um, yeah. You want to say where they're listening to us? Well, now? yeah, so, uh, so don't forget, actually, about our Fasha book. I don't know if you do anything on there at all. Do, you, mm-hmm. do we get any traffic on there? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been I've been really like uh, death scrolling Instagram. I don't know that it helps us at all. No, uh, but I've lost a lot of personal time at this point, and I'm in the valley of death. Okay. So I hope it helps us. So we have a Facebook and an Instagram. Go see us. Relevant recovery. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Follow, like, share. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, and then we are going to begin dropping podcasts the week following March third. Right. So our final show will air on Houston and on the platforms March 3rd. Um, That's and then, not accurate. You're, you're saying it as like it's our final episode. It's just the on last, the radio. On the radio. I thought I said that. Well, you said KPR, but we want to make sure people KPR understand. KPRC is the radio. I know, but you want to make sure people understand that because people that listen only on podcasts might think that's our last show. They don't understand. We need to pause the broadcast so I can put out a help wanted sign. <laughs> Anyways, uh, the podcast will continue. The radio portion will not after March 3rd. So yeah, if it'll that's be on the all way, platforms. All of them. So if that's the way you've been listening to us, please go ahead and find us on Spotify, Apple, Google Music, whatever streaming audio platform you'd like, we're there. Yeah, and I just so happen to have a sister who is in digital marketing and mm-hmm. she's rebranding us. So there's a lot of cool changes coming. I'm excited for all this. We're going to get a new logo and new colors, and I'm excited too. She's, now, she's while awesome. our sponsors are still paying for this, <laughs> yeah, probably ought to say why we're here. Yeah, so this show is sponsored by the Matthews Hope Foundation. The Matthews Hope Foundation is a 501c3 nonprofit aimed at providing education and recovery support services to those with substance use disorder. Why are you looking at me like that? When do you think you'll start doing that? <laughs> We've been doing that oh, for okay. years. Sorry, go ahead. Anyways, um, we have an outpatient clinic cur- currently. Yeah. Um, we had an inpatient detox for almost three years, but the facility we were in closed their behavioral health building. So we're currently actively looking for a new place for our inpatient, but we do have outpatient services. We do microcurrent neurofeedback uh, called IASIS. We do it there. Um, we accept anyone for peer support, recovery support services. We have Christian counseling available. We have a chemical dependency counselor. We have a therapist. So if you or a loved one wants any information about the services we offer and if we can be of service or at least refer you out if you need some other type of care, we are very connected in the Texas and Houston recovery community. And so we can help you find what services you do need. Uh, you can give us a call at 844-AND-HOPE which is 844-263-4673, or you can visit one of our websites, matthewshope.org or mhdrp.org. And 
I really don't have anything vested in that, right? So I do this show with you. I don't get paid. Uh, I don't work there. I don't have... I'm actually shocked at some of the results you guys have had. Yeah. Like, you guys are doing a good job over there. I feel like God must be involved because there is, For like... sure. Dusty, Deborah's doing super... Like, all these people... Does she go by Deborah or Deb? She goes by Deb. Okay. Or Deborah. She just hates Debbie, so don't do that. She's like, seriously. She's okay, like so like Dusty and Debbie and <laughs> oh all the God. other ones that have, have graduated the program seem to do really well. Fran. Fran, Jenny. who we had on the show, mm -hmm. who was awesome. So here's a cool thing. We recently did... Uh, and Sylvester, our counselor, was a big help to me reaching out to everyone that has ever successfully discharged from just our detox. Yeah. Whether they enrolled in our recovery support or not, we tried yeah. to reach out to all these clients. It was hundreds. Um, of the clients that we got a hold of, I want to say something like 82 were, were sober and doing well. That's 82 insanity. 82%. Like, I don't even believe it. No, I just happen to... Not 82 total. <laughs> I just happen to live with you, and so I see some of the material, so I have to believe it because it's actually true, but it's hard to believe. It's a crazy success rate, and, you know, it's not because we do anything magical. I just think our staff is all in recovery yeah. ourselves, and so we all, all have experience navigating that in our own personal lives, which is kind of like street cred for someone coming in. I, I remember when I was going to rehab, I think it was like my fourth rehab. Fourth or fifth. I remember asking my counselor if, if she was in recovery herself, and she was like, well, no. But my dad, this, and I just like, I was like, then you have no clue. Right. I'm not listening to anything you, you said. You don't be knowing what you I'm going through. You don't be knowing through. what right. this is like. And um, so I think because all of our staff have lived experience and we're so passionate about abstinence-based recovery, we know what our specialty is. We know what God got us sober to do, and we're good at passing that on for well, those that want it. And it definitely helped Debbie because she's on fire. Please don't. She really doesn't like it. I'm serious. Um, it's not funny. Oh, I'm sorry, Debbie. And her son, Trey, listens all the time. We love him. So anyways, yeah, things are going well. Mm -hmm. We got a few more left. Here, yeah. Uh, our lives have been kind of weird uh, at home. Well, I just think, so we have construction going on at home on our whole outside of our house. Here's the weird thing. It's something we want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something we're excited for. Something yeah. that's but it's good, but it's always painful. <laughs> And uh, so, yeah, our whole backyard is tore up, our fence is down, a new patio is being built. There's a crisis every day with choices and stain not drying and sawdust being everywhere. And uh, and me having to physically go to work and you're at home, but you're not supposed to talk to the con right. contractors. Right. I'm not the general contractor on this. You are because you are qualified. But in, in our pure insanity and unmanageability, we decided you would be the one to stay home and so they try to come to you and ask you questions, and yeah. then you panic and blow up my phone while I'm at work. Yeah, it's that's <laughs> very accurate. Uh -huh. And I'm like, just ignore them. Make them call me. And I think culturally, men are just used to dealing with men. And if you're home yeah. and you're the man, they think that you have the answers, and they don't know that that's not how it is in our house. <laughs> what are you trying to say? <laughs> that they need to come to me. I'm the I'm the one with the plan. All the plans? Well, not all. I mean, construction plans. Let's, let's keep this straight on the radio. <laughs> Who's the spiritual leader and the pants holder in this family, you girl? You are, sir. Okay. You are, sir. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, don't go anywhere. We'll uh, we'll tell you a little bit more about the good things. About construction. And we're going to jump into our topic here on Relevant Recovery. Oh, 
Oh yeah, welcome back to Relevant Recovery, your podcast radio show about all things addiction mm-hmm. with Heather and Donnie. Hi. I put your name first. Thank you. So, you know, we're getting cool stuff done at our house. Like, we're grateful for it, mm-hmm. but it creates disruption. It's still difficult. It's still like... Yeah. But the good thing is, is that we have a guy that's amazing. We trust him. Mm-hmm. He's done everything. He Like, everything has just gone smooth as it can. Now, the weather is not participating. <laughs> I've called in a prayer request on that. We're going to see if we can get the weather turned yeah, back we on. we need stain to dry today, Lord, please. So yeah. that would be helpful. But if it's not your will, that's okay, Lord. But I would say that, okay, so here's what happened this week. Here, here, what happened was this. I've been trying to eat right, so I stop eating around 4 or 5 in the afternoon, mm-hmm. and I don't eat anything all night, and then I get up in the morning and drink a pot of coffee, mm-hmm. and by 11, when the contractors are asking me questions, I'm flipping out. Flipping out. Blowing up my phone. Texting me while I'm in business meetings. If you don't answer me, I'm making a decision. I'm like, bro. Oh, I'm just playing with that. You know that. Sit But down. still. Uh, Shut the front door. Whoa. <laughs> And then I'll eat by like 12 or 1, and you'll be like, hey, are you okay? I'm like, yeah. I'm, and then you're what? like Jekyll and Hyde. You're yeah, like, what happened? Everything okay? <laughs> I don't. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know what. It's just, yeah, everything's smooth. I'm, I'm feeling good. Got some food in We're my belly. We're going to get through it. I firmly believe we might get through it without a double double death. So we'll see. Well, because it's me and the freaking out, and then you, anytime I ask a question and you infer it as an opinion you flip out (laughs) (laughs) because you're like no i'm controlling all of this you go sit down you're going to get to enjoy it you're going to get to smoke as many cigars as you want within the budget of your fun money each month Yeah, you better put that clause on there (laughs) and you're going to enjoy your backyard when we're all said and done but speaking of construction oh you want to jump in speaking of construction, congratulations that was a great transition and go (laughs) Uh, So our topic today is called The Cornerstone, and if you are not familiar with 12-step literature, we'll explain. Um, The Cornerstone is something in our literature speaking about step two, which is belief or willing to believe in a power greater than yourself. And so we're going to highlight this cornerstone. The literature talks about, and it uses this construction analogy because it says things like um, we're building a spiritual structure. We're building an arch to freedom. Yeah. And it asks things like, have you skipped on the mortar, put in the sand? Uh, are your stones properly in place? And, <laughs> and so, I don't know why that's funny to you. Sorry, go ahead. I apologize. How old are you? M- Maturity-wise, I think I'm about 12. 12. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. So are your stones in place? Um, And so they specifically talk about three stones, the foundation stone, the cornerstone, and the keystone in our literature. So today's topic is going to be the cornerstone, which means I either already believe in a power greater than myself and I can move on, or I I need to be willing to believe that there might be a power greater than myself to move on, right? Okay. And so I wanted to talk about belief and faith with you because you and I come from polar opposite ideas when we both got to this place in our recovery journey. Yes. I was educated and you were from Oklahoma. That's not true. That's not what you're talking about? No. (laughs) Um... Okay, so because there's, there's people out there that, and including you, I remember you always talked about when you were newly sober, praying to the air, and you were willing to do all the things, but you didn't really have faith in anything outside yourself. You really right. trusted yourself until and, I was four and a half years sober and blew my life up. Yeah, so in the, sobriety. So the timeline is different on this, but 
I'll, I'll just speak from like my perspective coming in because I think that's probably about half of our listeners and half of the fellowship that we're in is I already had faith. I already had belief in a power greater than myself. I grew up being educated on that. I grew up with great role models of that. Um, I had, I will say, knowledge about that base, those ideas, um, but I didn't know I didn't have a connection or a relationship or a reliance with the power I believed in. So for me, the cornerstone, step two, was no hindrance at all for me. Did you want to say something? You're raising your finger at me. Yeah. Why do I need faith? Like, back it up just a tad. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we know we came out of step one. We're powerless. Okay, yada, yada, life's unmanageable. Lack of power is our dilemma in step two. This cornerstone, why do I need the faith? Yeah, I think that... And what do you mean by that? Well, if we're talking about addiction and or a 12-step world, the reason that I have to at least be willing to believe in it mm-hmm. is because the whole goal of the program is to get connected to it <laughs> through the steps so that it can keep me sober. Because obviously, I haven't been able to keep myself sober in my experience thus far. Okay. Okay. <laughs> right? And so that's the base idea just around sobriety. But, you know, we can talk about what it means later in life. When you've been so like you, you've been sober for years and mm-hmm. you trusted the power for your sobriety, but you did not trust the power for your personal relationships, Completely your handed habits, over. food, your money yeah. habits. Completely handed it over and said, hey, God, thank you. Uh, thank you for taking away this allergy and this insanity. And I don't have the, the desire to drink anymore. I really appreciate mm-hmm. Oh, wait, 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 wait. No, no, my relationships, I'll handle that. Mm-hmm. I'll rely on myself. Yeah. How I show up at work, I'll handle that. How I treat people, I'll handle that. I, I decided that I was the power in all of those things. Right. How'd you, how well did you perform? I completely burnt my life to the ground. And so people stay in delusion that they have power or don't need power for a long time because usually burning it to the ground is what's required to be willing. And I don't, and I don't listen, not. I regret the people I hurt. Yeah, so yeah. let me be clear about that. I regret the people that I hurt. But I don't regret that my life burnt to the ground because it got me to the end of me yet again. So the first time I got to the end of me, I was able to surrender the idea that I could stay sober on my own power. Mm-hmm. And I turned it over to God. Right. Round two, four and a half years sober, I burn it to the ever loving ground again with no excuse. I'm sober. Mm-hmm. And then I surrendered the rest. Right. As best I can. But I think it's as, a, as a practice, daily right? Yeah. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not on some spiritual hilltop, but no, I can tell not. you it's way different than it was five years ago. That's true. And I'll just speak from like my experience with it, though, because this is the hardest idea to implant in someone who already has belief. I promise you, almost every single person that is a Christian, for instance, like myself, um, trying to get sober. When you go to rehab and, and or you go to AA meetings or some sort of 12-step fellowship and people start talking about these ideas, I think, well, I'm already good. Yeah. I already what, believe in God. I already got baptized when well, I was what 12. What you always say, like, what can you teach me about I, God? I, seriously, as a newcomer, when I was going into the 12-step rooms and different fellowships, I literally thought, what can you people teach me about faith? Yeah. Because I thought half of y'all believe in the wrong God <laughs> and y'all are talking about this higher power and you're using the secular language that's offensive to me. And like I had all these prejudices. I had all these ideas of what people could or could not show me. And the real delusion is, here's the delusion. Okay. I thought I was already connected to it. I thought I already had a relationship with God. And I didn't know that I didn't. Because okay. if I did, 
The power, God, would keep me sober. So the fact that I failed to stay sober meant I did not know how to live by and live out and walk out the spiritual principles that I already believed in. Okay, so to move on with the construction analogy, because we're both self-absorbed and we have a construction at our house, so we'll just use that analogy. <laughs> it works. What are the blocks of faith? For instance, self-reliance, intellectual pride. So what are the, the blocks, if you will? So for me... Both of those two things were, were spiritual blocks for me. Um, and that's true of anyone trying to get sober. So let's talk about self-reliance first. Okay. This is something that you were describing just a minute ago. You don't know that you lack faith. You don't know that you need it when you feel like you're doing a decent job on your own. You don't even know you're in self-reliance. You in fact, you would swear know. you're not. You would swear you're not. You're I, I did. People are just pursuing the next goals or the next dreams or the next, you know, happy goalpost and life, got to right? manifest it, baby. <laughs> right. And it's like, okay, you can try it that way. And maybe that kind of works for some people for a period of time. But in my experience, I grew up in the church. I grew up learning about the Bible. I grew up in Sunday school and vacation Bible school and church Sunday morning, Sunday night, yeah. Wednesday night. I grew up around all of that. Being slain in the spirit, <laughs> shaking and snaking. I, I grew up Pentecostal, but not that kind. But what I'm saying is, here's what people don't understand. When we read 12-step literature to people and they see the phrase, faith alone is insufficient, they get offended Mm. because Christians are taught faith alone is sufficient. So I want to dive into the difference between uh, salvation with eternity versus sobriety. I love it. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Relevant Recovery. Welcome back to Relevant Recovery with your hosts, Heather and Donnie. Hi. So, Heather, we uh, we went out to a little commercial break, and you were talking about yes. faith in its sufficiency. So, there is, well, it's also from the book of James, too, but it's also in 12-step literature, this phrase that faith alone is insufficient. To be right. vital, faith must be accompanied by some stuff. So, it's talking about walking out that faith, and so... If someone is, let's say, a Christian or a believer in a faith, but particularly a Christian, this is normally a Christian prejudice when they come into a 12-step fellowship, Mm -hmm. and they think they're already good with God. They already are saved. They're already baptized. They have been teaching Sunday school, or maybe they're clergy. Maybe they work in the church. doesn't matter, right? But what's crazy is that sentence hangs people up and offends them because they're like, wait a minute. This 12-step stuff, because we're already looking for 12 steps to be too secular. Yeah, or to have a problem. Yeah, to have yeah. a problem with it. And so when you see that, it's about proper explanation. In the church world, church people understand the difference between salvation versus the walkout of sanctification over a process while we're here. And so that's what the difference is. It's like if I'm only focused on the fact that I accepted Jesus and I got baptized at 13 – But then I lived my life for me, completely selfish, complete no reliance on God. Like an awful, awful human being. For 34 years. (laughs) Awful human being. But I didn't know. I kind of, in my mind, I thought, well, I'm saved. I'm already good. Now, Okay, so that's one side of it. But hold on, let me finish explaining it because you can't. But we only have 40 minutes, so (laughs) let me just speed it up a little bit. Ow! 
You can't kick me like that. So listen to what I'm saying. Okay, that's a second kick to With me, recovery, we're talking about something different. We're not talking about salvation and eternity. We're talking about sobriety and recovery, emotional sobriety. And the block is, even if you're saved, mm-hmm. is intellectual pride. And so I thought, what can you people possibly teach me about God? We agnostics, which is where this comes out of in our, in our big book, uh, the chapter We Agnostics, mentions prejudice seven times. Yeah. Seven times it mentions prejudice because... Around spiritual ideas. Because... Around spiritual correct, ideas, Because I have a set of beliefs that I walked in the door with, period. I don't care who you are. Everybody does. You had a set of beliefs you walked in about faith and God. I had a set of beliefs I walked in with that there is no God. I didn't even know what faith looked like. So we all had our prejudices coming in. Right. And a prejudice, I think the definition is something like having an opinion with no experience or, experience yeah. or something. So in other words, I'm just forming a belief and opinion, but I have no actual experience in it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I think it's mentioned seven times for a good reason. Um, because I never gave the spiritual side of life a real chance. Mm-hmm. I've never. Like prior to getting sober, I never gave it a chance. Mm-hmm. But there's other people like me who thought they gave it a wonderful chance. Right. And I couldn't figure out why I couldn't pray away my heroin addiction. Like, what was going to be required here? And I had no clue that lay aside the drinking and the drugs, that I was living my life for me. I was living a self-directed life, which was the problem, not a spiritually directed life, which, which someone who is a chronic addict or alcoholic like me has to learn how to live by a set of spiritual principles and in order to stay sober. But not just stay sober, to be a helpful, useful person with purpose that's kind and loving towards other people right. and considerate. I didn't have the, those skill sets within me naturally. I'm self-centered naturally. And so when we look at that, those were my blocks to faith. My, my blocks was my intellectual pride that I already mm. knew the Bible, that what can you people teach me? I was looking for it being too secular, too neutral, you know, those coexist bumpers, you know, yeah, yeah. like every, every, every religion's okay. I yeah. was looking to, for that to be offended so that I could cast away the 12 steps. I say, nope, I'm not going to be a part of that. And I was coming in with prejudice more like Bill W. had. I was coming yeah. in with prejudice more of I had a belief about religion. Mm-hmm. I was against it. I didn't believe in it. For the first nine months of my sobriety, I wouldn't even say the Lord's Prayer at the end of the meeting. Mm-hmm. Like I was just not playing this game y'all were playing. And so I put up giant roadblocks. Roadblocks. Blacks. Roadblocks. <laughs> I hate you. No, it's because you drank a cup of coffee. This is not my fault. This is misery of your own making. I drank a pot of coffee. <laughs> Uh, these were giant roadblocks in my own way. And I'm like helping construct them because I've got Mm -hmm. this set of beliefs that I'm carrying around on my back that I'm just not willing to let go of. So one thing that really was helpful. And I had a ton of prejudice. Me too. And I didn't know I did until I had really great sponsors pointing this out to me. But one thing that I think was really helpful for me as a, as a believer coming in. Finding me? No. You just lost my train of thought. All right. Stop it. Stop it right now. As a believer coming in. As a believer coming in, I had to first learn the difference between recovery versus salvation. For salvation, faith alone is sufficient. Mm -hmm. But for recovery, it is not. And there were some things I had to do to get really connected or a relationship with the power. So I had to do that. And how did you do that? Well, I worked the steps. I had to live them out. I had to be willing to look at myself. I had to be willing to admit truth about myself and willing to make amends for wrongs I've done. And I had to be willing to help other people. 
there was lots of things that were a part of that process. I look at I look at it like God was sanding the abrasiveness off me through the process. So you didn't of the think work. your way out of it. I did not think my way out of it. I didn't read the right book or adopt the right idea or say the right or stuff or say the right thing or attend enough meetings that 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 I just became Let's see, how do I word this? For me, everybody has prejudice around certain theological terms and ideas. Here's what the, so those learning the difference between salvation and recovery were key. Mm-hmm. But also what was really helpful for me And that there are two different programs. Let, let's say that. Yes. That religion so, and That's what I'm trying to get to. Tw- okay, you sorry. Keep interrupting me when I'm trying to get to this second point. So the issue for You're me taking forever. <sighs> Ow. <laughs> I'm going to keep kicking you. You keep saying things that offend me. Page 46. None of us could fully define or comprehend that power, which is God. Much to our relief, we discovered I don't even need to consider anyone else's conception of God. My own conception, however inadequate, is sufficient to make the approach and to affect a contact with him. And so I had to learn what the writers meant by that. Mm -hmm. That this is nothing we can prove Whatever this higher power is, I may have a conception of a God that I believe in, mm-hmm. um, but in the 12-step world, we're very God-neutral, higher power-neutral, so that anyone with any background from any belief or any religion, or even agnostic and atheist, they can all come. And if someone is willing to believe, that's the cornerstone of this arch to build this spiritual structure so that I can walk into freedom. And if someone is not willing to believe... Um, okay, cool. You cannot move on, and I bet you you're going to drink again until you become willing if you have the same illness. But let's I talk do. about that. All the book asks us to do, all the step asks us to do is be willing. Just be willing. That's it. It's literally just that. Because what I didn't realize when I took step two the first time is that it doesn't say we believe right now in order to move on to step three. Mm-hmm. It says came to believe. There's no timer on that. And every person is different. And what it took for me was to walk those spiritual steps of action out mm-hmm. repetitively I, I for a it, while in order for that to happen. I explained that the came to believe just implies a futuristic timeline. Yeah. Right. But it's real clear in like the 10th step promises that that should have started occurring in some degree, that internal change at some nope, point. Yeah, not for absolutely. me, not till three, four, five, six months you in. You believed it was keeping you sober. Otherwise, you wouldn't have started sponsoring people. I think that was the realization I had around four or five months. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm like pontificating about how I can't get around this whole God idea. And somebody's like, well, what was the last time you were sober? You know, 120 days. And I'm like, I'm probably 15 years old, maybe. So something was keeping you sober. Right. And that's usually an atheist experience in the first few months. Yeah. Right? I think that when we step into the 10th step promises, we don't recognize it right then. It's in hindsight with a few weeks or a month later. Yeah. Um, But for me, I was perfectly willing to do all of these things. I just didn't see how any of these things, the steps, uh, was going to help me understand God better. So what, what was, what's the, looking back now, what helped you overcome it? I think, well, initially I was just so scared of relapsing. Yeah. Because you know, I'm a heroin addict and I've lost of kids, seven felonies, lots of, lots of consequences. Like I had experience for years that I couldn't keep me sober. And when I sat in 12 step rooms, the way that people described the illness and how they felt sober and all that, like I identified so much. I'm like, I belong here. These are my people. They are speaking my language. And so I knew that I belonged. I don't know 
I just really had women sitting with me, helping me dissect my prejudices and pointing out my inconsistencies and pointing out my intellectual pride. But really, it was just the action of walking out the steps and trying to live life on a spiritual basis. That really was helpful to me. Um, How did you? I mean, for me, what I've learned over the years and when I look back... I always thought I could think my way out of stuff. I always thought that I could rationalize and conceptualize my way out. And looking back, what I had to do is practice the 12 steps as best I could on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And, you know, many, many, many times that was just a horrible job I was doing. But I continued to attempt it. All Mm -hmm. 12 steps. All 12 of them. And so essentially what happened is I was able to take uncomfortable spiritual steps of action Mm that eventually started to change my reaction, how I felt, and what I had faith in. Mm -hmm, And -hmm. God started showing up in my life. It was pretty amazing, and then I started to believe. So uh, don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back and close this thing up. Relevant Recovery. Welcome back to Relevant Recovery with your host, Heather and Donnie. Today, we are talking about the building blocks of faith. The cornerstone. The building blocks of the cornerstone. (laughs) The building blocks of faith or the blocks of faith. But it's Um, the cornerstone of recovery. So the cornerstone of recovery is either belief in a power greater than yourself or willing to believe in a power greater than yourself because we believe that lack of power is our dilemma and I got to get connected to power. Uh, otherwise, I have no hope of getting well. All right. So um, we've overcome, right? We talked about kind of how mm-hmm. we overcome. And it's always not by my thinking, but by my steps of action, which is what the entire 12 steps is about, yeah. where church religion is really about just having a faith. Mm-hmm. And the reason that the 12 steps do not contradict church and church only enhances the 12 steps is because those 12 steps are all about spiritual action. Mm-hmm. And that action Self-sacrifice. Will, right. Self-sacrifice, loving other people, accepting other people, putting other people's needs ahead of my own. Um, but when you go, when you're new and you have to go through the steps the first time before I'm equipped to even sponsor someone, it's yeah. because I have to swallow large chunks of truth about myself to see what's really going on there. Because I blamed ex-husband for my heroin addiction. I blamed you know my parents for this yeah. or that. Current and, husband for everything. <laughs> and kicking so, him in the studio. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, you're not allowed to say whatever you want, Donnie. Physical abuse. <laughs> okay, so you you get through those blocks, mm-hmm. right? But I just think if, if our listeners want to Google or look up, you know, the spiritual structure being built through the 12 steps, it's also called an arch to freedom, they'll be able to see uh, and click on images. You'll be able to see lots of people draw it up all the time. I have it drawn in one of my big books. Um, but the foundation stone is that base stone. But the cornerstone is the bottom of a, of a bottom of the arch key stone, right? And then you have the keystone at the top later for step three. We'll get to that next month. But if you don't have that stone properly in place, your arch is going to fall in. That's why I like the construction analogy is because we're trying to build something to have a foundation. Going through the 12 steps the first time through is like kindergarten. It's not the destination. It's that I finally have a foundation of what the spiritual life is all about. And then I get to start trying to live it out. And it's kindergarten. I'll be going to school for that for the rest of my life. Yeah. So now I'm, I'm going to, I got a trick question for you. Okay. So a step two is came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. 
Well, then what does faith or belief look like later on as far as step two is concerned? Because this is where everybody jumps into step three by mistake or they jump into six and seven by mistake. Mm -hmm. What are you talking about? What's your question exactly? You're trying to ask me a trick question. As it pertains to step two. Mm Mm-hmm. What does faith or belief look like later on? So after you've so gotten through these I think it's something and, as simple as this. It's the okay. understanding later that I still need power today in my life for my life to be managed well, just as much as I needed day one sober. That I never get to a point where I manage my life well and I don't need God anymore. Wow. Did okay. You? No, that's that. that's it. That's it. I think it's an honest... I passed your trick question. You did. I think it's an honest view in the mirror is what it is. Yeah. It's an honest realization. It's some humility. It's like, okay, I have tried to manage my life on my own power for... When I got sober, it was 41 years. And then I ran it into the ground for another four and a half, yeah. right? It took that self-honesty to see that all of these things drinking and drugging in the beginning and then later just my behavior and my defects of character and all of that. Mm-hmm. I had to be able to look back and go, you know what? Anytime I utilize my own power, I either fail or I step on toes or I pay somebody. a spiritual yeah. consequence. I was just talking to a girl in a parking lot at 10 o'clock last night. You know where I was. Yeah. And, um, and we were talking about exactly this because she was asking me questions about 12-step disciplines and like maybe not feeling it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I think later on as the years of sobriety add up, in my experience and from me talking to a whole bunch of other people, you don't always feel it. Right. But there's an obedience of still <clears throat> doing it because each time I'm willing to be obedient and take a walk with God and, and step into these actions, um, I'm basically taking, you know, deposits of insurance into my sobriety and my spiritual life. <clears throat> And, yeah. and it's so easy to get five, seven, ten years sober and think, well, I don't have to go to that many meetings or I don't need to sponsor that many people. And what, what I'm saying is the opposite is true in a sense. What I'm saying is the more spiritual or the deeper your spiritual walk becomes, the more God's going to require of you. The road gets narrower it and gets narrower. It gets way more narrower. So look Did you say way more narrower? Way more narrower. I thought you weren't going to do Oklahoma speak today. <laughs> Whatever. God requires, God started requiring more of me. Um, Basically, another way to say it, because what does that mean for God to require something of you? God would give me messages about things I used to be okay with doing. And I'm not talking about drugs or alcohol at all. I'm not talking about that. Things that I used to be okay with doing or used to justify. And God would just, in my spirit, give me a message of, Heather, you don't get to get away with that anymore and stay connected to me. That was me. I was yelling it from the other room. It was before I met you, so I know it wasn't you. Okay, so <laughs> so God will require more of you. I'm waiting for God to finally require more of you. That'd be nice. We're on a strike. <laughs> We're not doing. And so essentially what it is, it's, it's a repetitive work of the 12-step actions mm-hmm, mm-hmm. over and over. But it's actually living those principles. And, and here's the caveat. This is what I don't think people understand. Because sometimes it is checking the boxes until the feeling comes back. Absolutely. But you're going through the motions. That's what I was going to say is when you begin to build faith through action from the first step until you feel it, until it's happening, it is uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It's a chore. Mm -hmm. You got to build it as a routine to make sure you do it. It's, it sucks. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie because 
I spent a whole lifetime in self-reliance and now you want me to look to a power outside of me for everything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So every step is uncomfortable in the beginning, but you have to do it and you just do the best you can. And I think with with that caveat, I'll add one more idea onto this puzzle of all these actions. Um, The lady that was speaking at the thing I was at last night said this. She said, sometimes we just check the boxes of this spiritual walk and what we miss is, she said, we're trying to achieve something. I'm trying to say to myself, check that box, prayed and meditated this morning, check that box, did that spiritual discipline, check that box. She goes, it's not an achievement. It's not about what can I achieve. It's about what can I receive spiritually. And a lot of times when we're doing these things, we're not looking for the Spirit of God to give us something. Right. We're just checking it. And so sometimes we've got to search our motives of why we're doing it. Sometimes it doesn't have the feeling and it's just obedient. But I do think... And I think that's okay. And that's okay sometimes. Because there's a lot of days like that where (laughs) my goal is to get up every morning to do prayer and meditation. And for the most part... We do. I witness we do, Mm -hmm. right? But sometimes it feels monotonous and boring, and I feel guilty for that. And I just have to go through it. And I just have to do it And just do my best. Uh That's right. Yeah. But I do it. And the reason I do it is because when I began to really do this with routine, really work steps one through nine with a sponsor Mm -hmm. to really begin to work step 10. And by the way, working a step 10 by working a better 11. Mm -hmm. 11 actually pushed me to see 10 more often during the day. And then then suit through self-sacrifice for others with 12. When I began to do that uncomfortably, what happened is, first of all, it began began to become comfortable. And then it's like the scales were on my eyes. I started to see where this power was active in my life. I was starting to see it. Mm-hmm. And then it was almost like the juice I needed to keep going. Like, hey, I want to do more of this. I'm starting to see God. I'm starting to see things happen. Because when you can help someone develop that spiritual momentum where they could see a supernatural uh, power in their life, it does motivate them. Because one of the things that the book explains very well is you may not believe in God. You may not believe in the spirit of the universe or whatever, but you believe in something. Yeah. You have faith in something. Whether it's yourself and the problem or, was that or that's, money or whatever it is. That success. I had faith in self and the problem is self kept failing me and I yeah. kept relying on self anyway. Yeah. That's our default, I think. Well, certainly yours, for sure. <laughs> for sure. But we'll we'll do that on another show. It's, it's hard to do a, a whole show or month on spiritual ideas alone because we can only explain it through the lens of our own experience, right? right. And uh, I love A New Pair of Glasses, the book by Chuck C., because he talked about, you know, this being an individual internal experience, not about defining the divinity. So as long as we keep that in perspective, I think we can make some growth here. All right. So we can see that lack of power is still Heather's dilemma. (laughs) And so we're going to try and help her next week. So... Please, uh, yeah, please help. yeah, don't go anywhere. We we appreciate no, you listening is the last today. Segment, yeah, and yeah. don't forget, those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. Hashtag God, though.